Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable in your sight through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. So on page 10 in your worship bulletin is the gospel reading from John chapter 8. And look at verse 31 and verse 32 with me, please. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now imagine someone saying those words to you. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What do those words imply about you? What do they say about you? Well, they imply that you don't know the truth and that you are not free, that in some way, shape, or form, you're a slave. You might take that as an insult, even if it's not intended as one. We might take those words personally and become rather defensive about them, and that's true of the people in our gospel reading for this morning. Roman numeral one, page 11 in your sermon outline, the diagnosis, this is Christ's diagnosis of his audience, it's bondage or slavery. That's the diagnosis. You are slaves. Years ago in college, I worked at a mental hospital near West Lafayette, Wabash Valley Mental Hospital. And I did not receive much training. I was a psychiatric aide, but my, my job was to take temperatures of patients and to take their blood pressures and to sit around and converse with them. And there wasn't a whole lot for the patients to do except sit and drink coffee and once in a while attend a group therapy session or some such thing. And I remember I had not been on the job too long. I was sitting there, the patients were drinking their coffee and a woman, when she finished her coffee, she walked by me. She put her, her styrofoam cup in my hand, and she said, here, throw this away. I wasn't sure what to do. I was new on the job. I got up, and I threw the cup away. Another psychiatric aide, a man named Virgil, who had worked there for quite some time, he was a psychology student at Purdue. He was reading his newspaper, and as I sat down, he said, John, you would make a great slave. Well, being called a slave is not what I wanted to hear, but it's what I needed to hear. It's also what the people in our gospel lesson for today needed to hear as well. Jesus said in verse 34, truly, truly, I say to you, that means listen up. What follows is extremely important. Everyone who practices sin, meaning who continues to do it and engage in it without repentance, is a slave to sin. Now, all sin is self-centeredness. That's what it is, pure and simple. And Luther defined sin as turning inward on oneself. That is to say, all sin is self-love. And self-love is really no love at all, not in the biblical sense, not in God's sense. 
It is bondage of the worst kind because self-love involves taking from others rather than giving to others. And the self can never be satisfied by taking because taking only produces guilt and guilt can never satisfy the self. Guilt is the opposite of satisfaction. Guilt is extreme dissatisfaction with oneself. The remedy for guilt is the cross. And it was there that God stopped counting your sins and my sins against us all. It was at the cross that God reconciled humanity to himself. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, Paul writes, not counting men's sins against them. At the cross, he stopped counting your sins against you and against me. God did not design us to take. He designed us to give. Self-love seeks satisfaction by taking. True love finds satisfaction by giving. Letter A. This is a quote from 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19. Peter here is speaking about false teachers who lead others into error. They, the false teachers, promise them freedom, meaning they're victims, while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. Whatever has mastered them. Now that's not only a biblical truth, that's a philosophical truth. Even the pagans say these things. I quote in letter B of the Roman philosopher Seneca. He wrote, no bondage is greater than that of the passions or the desires. Letter C, Plato wrote, liberty is the name of virtue and bondage is the name of vice. Bondage is the name of vice, no matter what the vice may be. Drugs, alcohol, adultery, gossip, covetousness, the love of money, lying, theft, jealousy. All of these vices masquerade as expressions of freedom, but they are actually evidence of bondage. They are evidence of slavery to oneself. And the self is a cruel and unforgiving master. Roman numeral two, the reaction to this diagnosis is denial, and it always is. They answered him, verse 33, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone, which is not true. How is it you say you will become free? They take offense at Christ's diagnosis. They naturally become defensive and they deny that in any way are they slaves or in bondage to anyone or anything. And I think they remind us of us. They are like us today in that we do not need freedom. We already have it. We're Americans. We live in the land of the free, do we not? But Christ is not talking about political servitude. He's talking about a much deeper problem. Spiritual bondage, enslavement to oneself and to one's desires. And those desires are insatiable, they are selfish, and they are unforgiving. 
Roman numeral three, the prescription that Christ gives. Back to verse 31. If you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will free you. Letter A, the word abide means, it's an archaic word, but it means to dwell, to reside, to make your home here. And letter B, this is not an onerous demand. It's, it's not burdensome, but a gracious invitation. And that's really what it is. It's a gracious invitation. It's no different than Jesus saying, Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavily laden, and I will give you rest. Now, that's a command, but it's a gospel command. It's, an, it's a gracious invitation to receive what the Lord has to give to you. So, basically, he's saying this. Rather than making your home on Facebook or on TikTok, or rather than being dependent upon the 24-hour news cycle, Jesus invites us to make our home in his life-giving word. And what he's really asking of us, all of us, is a change of residence. All of us have a need for this thing called home. Home provides security. It provides belonging. Home provides identity. But most of all, home is a place of centering. It's a place from which we leave every morning, and it's the place to which we return every evening. Matthew Henry wrote, we are to dwell in Christ's word as a man dwells at home, which is his center, his rest, and his refuge. Now think of Jesus' words as that sort of domicile, that place from which you go forth each morning and that place to which you return each evening. And if, if your life could be pictured like a wheel, the hub of that wheel would be the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all the spokes radiating out from it are the different aspects of your life to which all of the spokes are connected to that hub. To make your home in him is not a burdensome demand. It is a gracious invite. And Roman numeral four, the result. You know the truth, that God is present and at work in Jesus. In the person of Jesus, God is present for you in a gracious, forgiving way. In verse 32, Jesus says, the truth will set you free. In verse 36, he says, the Son will set you free. That is to say, Jesus is the truth. He is the truth about God himself. All biblical truth can be summed up in this phrase. God is present for us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. If you want to know what God looks like, you got to look at Jesus. If you want to know what God is saying, you need to listen to Jesus. If you want to know what God is doing, watch Jesus. And let her be. You experience true freedom. A new nature, a new nature. You still have your sinful nature until you die, 
But now you also have a new nature that desires to do God's will. And I love the way Paul puts this in Ephesians 4. He writes these words, You, Ephesians, you Christians, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, the old sinful nature, to do this daily, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and to be made, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created in to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. True freedom is not liberty to do whatever you please. True freedom is the liberty to do what you ought. And that is genuine liberty because doing what you ought is what actually pleases your new nature. That's what satisfies you there in that new nature. Doing what we ought satisfies the new nature within us because that new nature delights in the will of God. The old nature never delights in the will of God. It delights in sin and self. The new nature delights in Jesus and his words. So letter, free, letter C, you are more than a freed slave. You are a son. Verse 35, you're a son. Slaves are temporary. Sons are permanent. Slaves are those who refuse the invitation of Jesus to abide in his word. They remain in bondage to sin. God bears with them, and he calls them to repent, but he suffers them only so long. Because they refuse to abide in his word and to make their home with him, they do not remain in his house. Now the sons of God, by contrast, are those of us who have been set free from our sins by God's unique son, Jesus Christ. We still sin every day, but our sins are now a burden to us and not a pleasure. We still sin, but now we have confidence before God and before one another that our sins have been removed for good by God himself through the, through the death of Jesus in our place. We've been given a new birth into God's eternal family through our baptism into Christ, and we've been given a new nature, a nature that delights in God's will. That, my friends, is true freedom. Not doing whatever we want, but gladly doing what we know we ought. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, amen.